Welcome to Live Healthy Now with Nicola Mercer, a weekly show helping you get clear on the power of building sustainable, healthy habits to live the happy, strong life you are craving. It's time to stop waiting for happiness and burning yourself out trying to reach it. Each week we'll share insights into the world of health and well-being to help you learn which habits are the right ones for you without the overwhelm and confusion you feel right now. It's time to strip back and lay out the truth about why taking better care of yourself is the answer to the happy life you're striving so hard to create. Hi and welcome to today's episode of the Live Healthy Now podcast. I'm joined today with a lovely guest, Carol Devaney, who is going to chat to us about her health story and how she's had some changes in her life over the past few months, which have led her to reevaluate her health and the importance of her health in her overall life. So welcome to the podcast, Carol. Hi, Nicola. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's lovely to be chatting with you. Obviously, we've known each other for a little bit and, uh, you know, do a bit of work together. So it was, you know, interesting when I'd saw some of your posts about what had been going on with your health to then have you come on and, and chat and share that with us. But just to start, I ask our guests to share what their most impactful healthy habit is that they have in their, you know, wellness toolkit. So I think my most important habit is a new a new habit and one actually when I tell you a bit more about it um, you, you realize the timeline is quite important um, so today I am going off to have a whole series of health tests undertaken and that's my new habit is getting the data about my health Oh, that's an interesting one. And obviously, I know you know Lisa Johnson. And she actually um, talked about that when she recorded her podcast with me as well and said, you know, that was one of the things that she'd learned and was implementing was that, you know, regular review of her her health as well to get the the information. So that's brilliant that you're doing that and, and able to get those insights. So tell us a little bit then about, you know, where you were at with your health until things started to change and then what was it that changed which which made you embark on this new journey? Sure so I think I'm generally a bit of a health gambler so I've been fortunate enough that I think I've got pretty good genetics and um, I had a, a good start in life with nutrition my, my father was a chef and we ate lots of vegetables had lots of fresh air growing up and we walked everywhere so I think those formative years gave me a, a good start in health um, so I've I've been a gambler with it. I'm quite careful with my personal safety, but not my personal health. And the way I've gambled it is by being a bit of a workaholic. And I see a bit of that's making it more comfortable for me. The reality is I'm completely a workaholic. It's my, <laughs> my favourite soother. It's my favourite activity. Um, and during the last few years, that's definitely because, you know, the, the thing about workaholism is it's the thing that no one wants to like really criticise you for because if you're a workaholic you tend to be quite successful in the workplace you know you're rewarded for overworking yes your personal life is suffering but no one cares about that in the workplace they care about the fact you're you're getting results and you're always there so it's it's the kind of socially acceptable addiction I always think and we're like Mm. oh I just just keep feeding this and I just keep getting results Um, but in the last few years I had definitely pushed that a bit too far because during the pandemic, what's a great way to escape and soothe yourself? Just keep working even more. And what I hadn't realised is that 
when I was probably a, you know, a few years ago, I hadn't realised that I was really entering that perimenopausal phase where actually that gamble has got a much higher risk and much less reward. So all of that just all started to come together in, in really the last sort of year, sort of really hitting a point, as you know, about must be, well, it must be exactly six months ago because my follow-up data checks are today um, and, and really sort of came ahead in a way that I wasn't even expecting because I did not even know um, that, that I was potentially quite unwell. Mm. So when you were working so hard and you loved that feeling of, you know, being in work and what you were achieving, were there any signs that you maybe weren't as healthy as, as you should be? I mean, there were signs that I chose to ignore. So, you know, I, I kind of joke now that I've been in a rush for 48 years of my life. Um, and, and that means generally having a bit of tiredness, but I've probably got quite a high well, I've developed quite a high tolerance for tiredness. So up until a few years ago, I would actually have quite a lot of trouble getting to sleep. But I thought everyone who was busy had that issue. Um, so I would probably manage on sort of between four and six hours of, of sleep a night. Um, so I just accepted that, well, if you get up and you're tired, you, you just have a word with yourself. You have some coffee, some water, you know, you get going. I hadn't realised that actually having to make yourself motivated every day um, and because I'm quite, I've got a pretty cheerful outlook in life, I hadn't realised that they were all mitigations rather than natural things that were happening. Um, I've been carrying extra weight for a while. My, I've, I've definitely had digestive issues for probably 20 years ongoing. Um, so, yeah, carrying extra weight, which would fluctuate at different times, um, having digestive issues and having a, a skin condition were all things that I just sort of normalised. But of course, they are symptoms of what's going on with your health. Mm. And, and, you know, this is very common for a lot of women, isn't it? That there are things wrong with your health, but we tell ourselves that that is very normal to feel that way. Don't we? It's like, oh, well, yeah, it's normal to be absolutely shattered every day and to feel as though you've got no energy, but to still have to work really hard and stay up really late doing all of the chores and, and so on. And unfortunately, it has meant a lot of women have neglected the health and still are. And also, you know, when it comes to things that are specific to us women with, you know, our fertility and menstruation cycle and so on, we just accept certain things and think, well, I'm a woman you know, I'm going to have this pain or I'm going to have these mood swings or headaches or, you know, heavy um, periods and so on. And we just suffer for sometimes far too long, which can then lead to problems. So with yourself, when it kind of all came to a climax, what was it that that you found out, you know, what what triggered you to get some help and look into what was going on? Yeah, so it was really interesting. You mentioned Lisa Johnson earlier and I was at, um, I was at a retreat with Lisa Johnson as part of our mastermind last February. And there was a woman there speaking called Nick Pigeon who yeah. takes great care of herself. She's fabulously successful. She's, she's a lovely person. And I had asked Nick, I had said, you know, I know that you were at a similar stage to me. You know, your business was at sort of multi-six figures and you wanted to take it to seven. What were like the three things that you would say well, the game changers and that. And I, I guess probably Nick answers this all the time. So she gave me two answers that I liked because I thought, great, I can absolutely do them. One was like, hire the best help. Um, the other one was um, automate and have systems for some of your work. I was like, okay, great, very, very structured stuff. And the third one was 
radical self-care. And then she described what that meant. And she said, you know, you have to get the data on your health because you have to know what you're working with. And then you have to move forward from there. And I thought, and, and Nick does take great care of herself. And I thought, well, I'm not madly keen on that answer. <laughs> and I will do that. But I will do that third of the three things um, because that meant focusing on me rather than on my business. So I was a bit like, mm, sounds great get to that and we had a chat afterwards over dinner a bit more about her health journey and she'd said to me you know I really would implore you to, to go and do this um, and I said I, I definitely will so six months passed and I seen Nick again and she she asked how it was going I said oh really good you know I've been getting people on my team looking at some automation haven't quite got round to the health thing but I am going to do it and she's like please like that's the that's the one of the three that you have to mm. do first you know and, and she's got such a nice way of, of putting things she's a, a Geordie like yourself as well yeah. actually um you know so she's down to earth and she's practical I know she's not someone that gives advice if it's not relevant um so I said you know what I am going to do that because I know that like me focusing on myself I'd already started to do some of it and take better care of myself I'd changed some of my eating I'd been addressing some of my perimenopausal symptoms and I knew that I still was struggling a bit with energy. So Nick actually invited me that weekend to go to an event because she was coming to my hometown. And on the day of that event, I was, I mean, it was such a simple thing. I was basically, (laughs) I was basically doing my hair and something moved in my back that just was so incredibly painful. I almost couldn't go to the event. And and there was a bit of me thought, this is the universe telling you. (laughs) Nick told you, you to get this done. So I, sh- I should have. I was like, I should I should have been looking after myself. And I've never really had any like muscular skeletal issues in that. But I, I booked on to go and have all these health tests done the next week. And I went and had, um, through a, like a private healthcare company, they run a whole series of tests on you. And when I worked in corporate, you used to get this stuff done every two years because they were sort of insuring you. But this was much more in-depth. They ran a whole series of things. And I thought, well, that's fine. They'll probably say, you know, lose a bit of weight, um, do a couple of things. It'll be fit. I pretty much expected. I'm getting a clean bill of health here. They'll be like, oh, you're in marvellous state for a woman of your age. And that was not the response. I actually got a phone call. Where I was then on holiday um, and I was working on holiday as usual. And I got a phone call actually from them saying, we have to notify you about one of your results because it's quite concerning and we would ex- we would expect you to go to your doctor immediately. <laughs> I thought, that's mm. not what I signed up for. I paid up for a clean bill of health here. <laughs> what is this nonsense? And I, and I thought, oh, this will be something, you know, they retest it and you and you get, you know, that sort of denial, that whole denial phase of, of healthcare. Um, and they said, your blood pressure is actually dangerously high. I said, well, I'm in Spain. I can't really do anything about that. And they said, well, we wouldn't even have recommended you flying. Um, it's so wow. dangerous. So that actually stopped me in my tracks because, you know, I know that blood pressure is a killer, especially people from the city that I'm from. You know, it's, it's you know, a major cause of, of well, it's lifestyle-induced, but a major cause of, of illnesses. And when I phoned my own doctor and, and went in, and she said, well, she'd known me for years. She said, you don't normally have a... Some people have a response to being in a healthcare setting. That's not normally you. And actually, they monitored it for for the next, um, I guess it was the next 30 to 60 days, something like that, because my blood pressure was tracking consistently, dangerously high, um, to the stage where I I had 30 days to get it under control or I had to immediately go on to blood pressure medication. There were a few other contraindicators, one of which was that I um, I actually had a stomach ulcer. 
so my upset digestion was a little bit more than, oh, I'm not good at digestion <laughs> some foods. I actually had an ulcer and a bacteria in my stomach that the doctor reckoned when they looked into it further that I'd probably had for about 20 years. Oh, wow. Oh. So, and so that's, a, that's obviously a very scary thing to experience, isn't it? And what, how was it with, you know, the next steps for bringing your blood pressure down? Did they give you good advice? You know, I know you've changed um, some things in your lifestyle. So, you know, how did you approach fixing that problem? Um, I mean, I, I basically went to the doctor and said, you know, what, what do I need to do here? And she said, well, it's pretty simple. You can take the medication. And if you take them the medication, what she um, she knows me pretty well. She said, what I know is that people who immediately go into the medication quite often don't make a lifestyle change. They just rely on the medication forever. She said, and you're quite young to be in that stage. Um, you have got, you know, family history of, of heart problems. I would like you to make the lifestyle changes first and see if you can avoid that. So it's like, well, what are they? And she said, well, it's pretty simple. You're going to have to rest more and have less stress in your life. And I thought, well, that is a very simple prescription, but I, I don't like it. But I, I literally just had to take that on board because I, I was determined from then, OK, in 30 days, I want to have my blood pressure under control, not be in the scenario of starting to take medication for it, which also has other side effects. And what she said is that some of those side effects will actually make some of your perimenopausal symptoms worse. So I thought, OK, this is this is a gentle warning. And I kind of came away and I have a, a couple of friends going through significant health problems. And I thought, how lucky am I to have something that can be cured by resting and having less stress? You know, I know people going through significant treatments, you know, that are invasive and aggressive. And I thought, I really have to like really lean into like a gratitude mindset here to think, what I have can be cured by rest and less stress. And I am absolutely 100, you know, I own my own business. I am 100% in control of those two things. And they are choices that I can choose to make or not. Um, and and that's that really did feel like this is a bit of a blessing in disguise here because the alternative could have been a stroke, a heart attack or, or much worse stuff. And then the response to that would be much more severe. So it was yeah, it was a, a big a big wake up call. And I also messaged Nick Pigeon saying, I had the tests. You might have saved my life. Thank you very much. Because the, the blood pressure was completely symptomless. I had zero symptoms of that whatsoever. Because I, I did the old Google, what are the symptoms of it? And all the symptoms that came up, I had absolutely none of them. And when I mentioned that to my doctor, and she said, yeah, it's a, it's a silent killer. It's a very common silent killer in people who overwork, don't take care of themselves, carry a bit of extra weight. Yeah, and that the thing with heart disease as well, you know, which obviously high blood pressure could lead to, is that it's killing twice as many women than who die from breast cancer. And it's far more dangerous for women than men you know we are seeing a, a real crisis with women and diseases like heart disease you know the cardiovascular diseases and the majority of them are lifestyle related so for someone who is a confessed you know workaholic who loves work and loves putting all of the hours in and as you said you were actually working on holiday when you got that news how easy has it been then to or how difficult to change that approach to, to constantly being switched on with work? I mean, I would love to say oh, it was really easy. I took that news and suddenly flipped a switch. But the reality is that when you change the way you've been for a very, very long time, 
and the way that you have achieved success in life and the way you've validated yourself like that's a that's a big mindset change so you know it's it, I worked with a coach who said this is going to be unbearable in the beginning for you and then it's going to be uncomfortable and then it's going to be your norm and I think I'm I'm somewhere in that phase of between the uncomfortable and it being the norm because when I started to slow down what I had to look at is actually the psychological aspect of well why is this the choice that I've made? Why have I put myself into like this nervous system state where I'm always busy and always going um, and convincing myself that that's okay? So actually what it throws up as you start to slow down are a lot of things that you've not been seeing or noticing or really analysing because you've been so fastly moving through life. So it's a bit of, I would say, from the, the healthcare side, that, that's been the easy bit because, of course, I feel better. I feel more rested. I have more energy. I've got more clarity. I think I'm a pretty clear thinker anyway. Now I'm getting even more clarity, which is a shame because I have 10,000 new ideas for businesses that I might, well, I can't do all of them because that would take me back to where I was. Um, but the emotional journey's actually been bigger because I've had to think about, well, why is that so important to me? What are those things doing that I continually drive myself to do? So that that's required a bit of deeper work, but I think that will that deeper work is what's going to give me the returns or not the returns, but the insight to be able to maintain this in the future. Because before, you know, different things happen in life that, um, you know, sadly I've lost a couple of people quite young in my life and thought, okay, life's too short. I'm going to have a bit more fun and a bit less work. But that's never really been something I've maintained. Whereas this feels much more maintainable because there's such big psychological shifts happening. Yeah, I love that. And that's what tends to happen is, you know, people have something go wrong with the health and they know the need to make changes and improve it. But what comes around is, as you say, that much deeper work on why you are that way. And it's only through doing that kind of work that you can really make lasting change. You know, that's why so many women focus on, you know, diet and their weight and their shape and their size and the thing that's what's going to equal happiness for them. So they obsess over what they eat and how much they weigh and they don't feel happy, you know, if they hit the goals they've got and the number on the scale and or maybe it's about going to the gym and they think, but I don't feel it that much better. Yeah, I know I'm taking better care, but I still don't feel good in me. And so it's that deeper work, isn't it, around why you have those behaviours, why you think a certain way. And it's ongoing as well. It never ends, which in some ways I think is brilliant because you get to evolve continuously and learn more about yourself and develop. And you touched on you know, how much better you've felt as you've made some of those shifts and that it gets easier. And that's those ripple effects I talk about is when you do make changes like to the food you eat and drinking water and exercise, which I know you've been doing lots of walking, all of those things start to accumulate and you feeling better. So you want more of it, don't you? It's a bit like the addiction of the workaholic. The more you work and the more success you get, the more you want to put the hours in it's that kind of thing. Is that how you've found it? Yeah, d- definitely. Um, and, and, and weirdly, when I was actually at the doctor, she asked when I was leaving um, why I was limping. And I said, oh, I've had this pain in my heel for, you know, six months. And she's like, sit back down. And she, she had a look. She said, you've got plantar fasciitis. Why are you walking on this? It's like, because, well, it's sore, but, you know. And, and what I found out is I've got quite a high tolerance for pain, which... <laughs> 
is not that sensible. But she's like, pain is just like a message from your body that you should do something about it. <laughs> um, so I've actually had to reduce them. I, I can't go, I can't run, I can't go on the elliptical and do certain exercises that I was doing. And normally, like it's exactly like you would say, I would think, but taking care of myself means I have to get the weight off. I have to focus on that. Whereas I'm going through a series of um, shockwave treatment at the moment for, for my foot, but almost finished. It's given me great results. And normally I would have been thinking, yeah, but I, I need to be moving. I need to be at the gym because I need to focus on losing weight. Now that weight goes up and down all the time. And actually I've not thought of that because my headspace is much more, no, I have to think about repairing the parts of my body and my health that need the attention at the time they need it. So my foot needs to be repaired, which will then allow me to get back to walking, get back to running, or get back to like moving. So actually at the moment, I really crave that movement because I was enjoying it so much that I'm like, you know, I'm now like, that's such a privilege because I've built the time in to do it. So I'd built the time in to get out a walk in the morning or go to the gym and I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to get back. And when I was on holiday, I walked a bit more than I should have. But it just felt like such a treat, like that movement and exercise felt like such a treat. And and that's how nutrition and rest feel. And you know, I've, I've actually been able to spend more time with my husband, more focus on him, because he's used to getting what's left of me when mm. I'm actually finished with all the work. And he's been incredibly supportive. That's allowed me to have a, a great career and now two really good businesses. But, I've always, but it's made me realise I expect him to make that sacrifice. So now that actually I've got that time to spend with him, that's actually, I see the results of that in our relationship as well. You know, it's create more time and, you know, better quality. Like we're on holiday together and instead of me being like, well, I'll just do these emails where we're having lunch together or where we're doing this thing. You know, I'm actually just in the time and in the space. And that's that's a much healthier addiction to be like, oh, I'm quite having a nice time. <laughs> so I know you said you've been working with a coach to, to help with some of the mindset work on this, but is there anything practical you could give to someone who might be listening and thinking, oh, how do I make those changes? You know, maybe they're not a full-on workaholic, but they do work a lot of hours and combined with all of their other responsibilities, family and home and so on. What else have you done practically that's helped you to have the time, for example, to work out or to make changes to what you cook and eat? So I, I've well, I've taken on some more people into my business, which is which is great. But it's not always the luxury that people can do right away. You know, it's easy for me to say hire an ops manager. I had to make sure that I had the revenue generated to hire that person. Um, but the things that have been really practical have been creating boundaries around when I do work and when I don't. And I've always been quite happy to let those boundaries bleed. But I've been really strict to myself and said, if I choose to, and this is this was like a sort of not really a mantra, but I would remind myself every day when it felt uncomfortable, if I choose to work, then I'm choosing it at the cost of my health because I, I had to like imprint that on myself to know if I'm doing this, then I'm I'm running a risk and then is that the risk I want to do? So in my diary, I have a set time that I start work and a set time that I finish work and something actually came from, from someone recently that I'm now going to keep is I deleted a lot of notifications oh, sorry I turned off a lot of notifications but also when I'm not working I now delete some of the apps from my phone that just constantly feed me emails messages from clients just constant that, that I'm like oh I'll just send this little response or just send that little response or oh, two hours past and I've you know it's now 10 o'clock so I'm really strict about I don't really work before nine on emails and messages and I don't work 
I, I don't work after 10, which sounds really late, but quite often I work in Canada. So my working day might start at 2 p.m. and end at 10. But now in my diary, that's all blocked out for not working activity. And I also don't double up my days because sometimes I'd work in the UK early and then work in Canada later. And now I work in one set of hours. So really blocking those hours has been substantial. And I've outsourced a bit more life stuff. So somebody does our laundry now. That's one less thing for me to do because I've worked with a lot of women who wouldn't describe themselves as workaholics, but that's because they actually have so many, like you mentioned that, they have other responsibilities that actually they're working a lot in their job or their business and then they have considerable care responsibilities. And I think, and they'll say, well, how are you doing so much? And I think, you're doing as much as me. It's just that the work you're doing is not noticed because it just keeps everyone's life running easily for them. Yeah, you said something so powerful as you were giving that bit of advice and it was great advice is um, if you continue to be as you are or as you were, you're doing that at the cost to your health. And that's the key thing I want people to understand is everything we do is a choice and much of how we live means we are putting our health at risk and maybe that's 10 years down the line 20 years down the line like in your case really and certainly I've had lots of challenges with my health part of why I do what I do is because my mum had a lot of health problems and many of those were lifestyle related in her later years and you know it's difficult because you want the instant gratification that's how we are as humans you know and we want whatever it is the the likes on social media or we want you know to get the money in the bank and be able to go on holiday or whatever it might be at the cost of throwing ourselves fully into it all and burning ourselves out and you know the machine that we are because our body is one huge machine is taking that all on and the toll will eventually you know play out and so it's not as you said in the past, you were kind of like life's for living. I just want to have fun, and and I talk about there being these different mindsets when it comes to health, and you know there are that camp of oh, what's the point in worrying about it? You're going to die anyway, sort of thing. But then people learn usually through the loss of a loved one or their own health that actually, in order to have that fun and to have that good life, you've got to feel healthy because you're risking exactly what it is you want by you know not taking care of yourself and I think you gave really good tips there about you know the boundaries is a huge piece isn't it of of being really clear on that that's something I'm working on as a new business I work a lot of hours I work late and that's one of my ongoing habit changes and something just listening to you I'm thinking yeah I've definitely got to change that because I have been feeling some of the effects of that that extra work and the overwhelm and I can just then feel the difference you know it makes you make different choices maybe with your food or your exercise and you touch on your relationship you know when you aren't feeling good you can be more snappy in your relationship even if it's as a parent with your kids it plays out into all sorts but then the opposite happens when you're in a better place and you said you've had a lovely holiday you've spent that time together and it's it's made a big difference to how you're both feeling by having that that extra you know valuable time on holiday that you would have otherwise worked yeah, so, de- definitely. yeah oh that's great and so just touching on the perimenopause and carol what 
Is there anything that you've had to do specifically because of the symptoms you've been experiencing with that? Or is it now all come together in this one new approach to protect your whole health? Um, I, I, well, I'd kind of started dealing with some of the perimenopause stuff before, but now I guess I've integrated it into it. So I don't look at, and I work in engineering a lot, so I understand systems and system mm. engineering and how if you let one part of the system default, it eventually infects the rest of it. I don't know why I didn't think of applying that to my <laughs> own health and body, but now I'm like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. If you overwork the assets, some part of it will give up at some point. Uh, I understand that on a technical basis. So now I've kind of integrated the things I was doing for perimenopause, which are about like getting better quality of rest. So some of that has been like learning to sleep better. So using like meditation apps or hypnosis, um, using like my, my vitamins now are kind of specific to perimenopause um, and, and some specific health stuff that came up from getting those data results. But the, the big thing, big things that have been um, difference in the perimenopause have been really improving the quality of my sleep and improving the quality of my nutrition. Because if I work, I actually love to cook and I love to cook from scratch. But if you work 12 and 14 hour days, you're much less likely to do that. You know, it's just a simple logistics thing um, because the shops are also closed <laughs> by the time you finish. <laughs> you're like, like, there are no fresh foods for you. There's basically takeaways or whatever's in your cupboard or your freezer. Um, so mm-hmm. that's been much better as well. And, and those are the things that, that have made the big difference. I did look at HRT, but in having a really good discussion with my doctor, the symptoms that were the worst, uh, the symptoms that were the least for me were really the things that HRT is best at fixing. So like the the hot sweats and things, the things I was struggling with more were the, the brain fog, which I've always had such a good memory that I really, like the brain fog was the thing that made me realise something is not right. Um, and uh, the, the lack of sleep. And actually, shock news, if you're better rested and, and not so busy turns out the brain fog is much more manageable yeah. it's still there but it's much more manageable because i'm not like well normally i'd be like well if there's if there's less than a hundred things in my inbox that's kind of my to-do list and i can keep a hundred things in my head to do that's ridiculous no one needs to have a hundred things <laughs> in my head to do <laughs> yeah and that that's a really good point what which i try you know to talk about and help women to understand is HRT can be great and there's so many benefits from it and now lots of things are being found about the potential benefits for future health as well in women but it's not a magic cure your lifestyle still has to change because whether you take HRT or not you are still going through menopause and not going to have the hormones that you had younger but also your bone density, your muscle mass. There's so much that changes, as you said, in, in the process of how we work as a body. And so those lifestyle elements are absolutely key. And the earlier you can put them in place, the better, because it's proven as well, the healthier you are, the less those symptoms of perimenopause can you know, have a, an impact. And, and maybe some women can avoid many of them completely when you know, your weight is under control, you do have a good diet, stress is a huge, huge one. And lack of sleep, even though you might not have felt highly stressed, is something that does affect our cortisol, which is, you know, what we release when we are under stress. So yeah, it's all connected. And it's brilliant to hear how you've approached it. And I always say Carol on her video calls with that water right next to her, 
drinking that water throughout the calls as well hydrating you've made a real conscious effort haven't you t- to get hydrated and and take you know that water bottle wherever you go yeah i've got there's actually two of them that are exactly the same so some of these people are like, how much water's this woman got in that bottle they think it's like a mary poppins bottle that just keeps going but actually that that's my habit get up in the morning mm. fill both of them up and i know that by the end of the day i want to have them finished and i just you know i don't even have to think about it now if i'm working at home just sip 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 away um yeah it's 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 Brilliant. great and it, so just to wrap up, Carol, if you want to let people know where they can find out more about you with what you touched on a couple of things, you know, Carol is a business owner, you've got two quite different arms, but connected at the same time to what you do. So yeah, if you want to share that and I'll pop it all into the show notes as well. Yeah, sure. You'll find me on, um, if you're a small business owner looking to work with other businesses, you'll find me on caroldevaney.com. And if you are looking to build any public transport projects, which is fairly niche, um, then I'm on uh, c-changes.com. So, yeah, two quite different businesses with a bit of crossover, all of which rely on you having good health to do them. Yeah. And, and, and the transport one is about trains, isn't it? So you're a, a bit of a train geek, aren't you? You love public transport and all things yeah. train. <laughs> yeah, I, I build a, I built a lot of railways, railways, subways, bus lanes, in, anything mm-hmm. public transport we, we work on. Yeah, so I, you're, you're, and actually that is actually one of the things that I think I've probably always had that as a mitigation for my health because I take the slower journey by doing public transport, and now I try and apply that as a metaphor to life because I'm like the slower journey is where you get the views. It's what's better for the environment. It's what's sustainable. So now I remind myself the slower journey through life is what's sustainable for my life. Oh, I'm going to quote that. That's perfect. I love that. Yeah. And I loved your engineering analogy. And I think I'm a very processed person. My dad and brother are both engineers. I've worked in supply chain for years. I've always had a very, you know, organised, process-driven type of approach. And it's, yeah, just that that's, I think, a great way to compare how we work as humans to you know, machinery. I always use the car analogy of, you know, a car, say from Newcastle to London, is only going to get you there if you have the fuel, but also the oil and the windscreen wipers have the wash, you know, the, the water and the wash liquid in and your air conditioning's working and your air, have air in your tyres, you know, it all has to work in harmony to get that journey completed in a safe way in the time that you want and and we're the same so I love what you've said at the end there about that slower journey and that's the thing with habits good habits give the reward over time bad habits you get the instant reward but you actually get the negative consequences in time you know smoking's an obvious one you get that hit you love it but then 20 years later you're going to feel the impact of it on your health you know whereas if you are someone who's eating lots of vegetables you might feel good because you know you're eating them but it's really over time that you're going to get the long-term benefits so brilliant thanks so much Carol lots of wisdom I think coming through there lots that people I'm sure will associate with so it's been lovely chatting and I appreciate you sharing your story thank you thanks for having me Nicola you're very welcome Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please remember to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. It would be really appreciated if you could leave a rating and review so other people can find us and build their own healthy, happy life. 
You can follow Life Now Coaching on all social media platforms and visit our website at lifenow.uk. Links are in the show description. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and can't wait to see you again next week for more tips on living healthy and happy right now. Take care.